Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive line has incredible talent and a lot of depth on paper, and yet a few key questions remain. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. The Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive line has been a strength of the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense for a very very long time. All of their top defenses start up front, both literally on the field. The first thing the offense has to deal with is the defensive line, but also when they build the defense, that stout defensive line makes everything behind it function. When the Steelers in the 90s were blitzing, when they were, when they were creating havoc, Defensive linemen, Joel Steed, Ray Seals, they were they were big parts of that. In the defenses of the 2000s that won Super Bowl, Aaron Smith, Casey Hampton, Kimo Von Olhoffen, Brett Kiesel, so many players were a big part of that success up front. They may not have gotten the stats, but they were the engine driving the defense. This year, the Steelers start with, on their depth chart, with a man who's been an incredible force on this team, especially the last five years or so. And that is Cameron Hayward. He has been absolutely incredible. If it wasn't for Aaron Donald, he'd be in the discussion for the best defensive lineman in the NFL. Cameron Hayward is an interesting figure in that he's not the best at any one thing. You can't point to any one job that defensive linemen do or even a skill that defensive linemen need and say Cameron Hayward's the best at it. He's not the best run-stuffing defensive lineman in the league. He's not the best pass-rushing defensive lineman in the league. 
he's not the best on stunts. He's not the best splitting double teams. He's not he's not the best anchoring against double teams. He's he's not the best at any one skill. There's not one skill that really defines him and says this is why he's great. Right? TJ Watt is the best pass rusher, right? His game is determined off of that. He plays off of that. His run defense, everything comes off of how good of a pass rusher he is. Cameron Hayward doesn't have a single skill that stands out like that. But Cameron Hayward, if you made a list of all the defensive linemen in the NFL and put all kinds of different, you know, skills you want from them, you things you want them to be able to do, Cameron Hayward would be top five in almost all of them. He is that well-rounded. He is that polished. He is that good. He's absolutely phenomenal. And he makes the defense work more than anyone else on that defensive line, especially last season when we saw Cameron Hayward basically having to be a one-man defensive line for a decent chunk of the season. And that that really forecasts, you know, the questions, which I'm sure we're all aware of. We're going to move off the depth chart away from Cameron Hayward. He, he, for me, is listed in the, you know, the locks category or the studs category, if you want that, if you want the you know, the, the superstar category, whatever top category you have in your depth chart, that's where Cameron Hayward sits. And this year he sits there alone. Absolutely alone. Even if you went as far as locks to start, right? If, if they're active and able to play there, an absolute lock to start on this defense, Cameron Hayward's the only one I'm putting in that category too. The next group below that, is kind of my hopes and prayers section. Uh, not that desperate. We're not like desperately hoping for something, but we don't quite know what we will have, but we know what we could have or even should have if these players are healthy. And that starts with Tef- Stefan Tuitt. I'm not going to speculate on what Stefan Tuitt will be like when he comes back, but I can tell you when he was playing. When Stefan Tuitt was healthy, he was a bull in the china shop. That's the best way I can describe Stefan Tuitt. Stefan Tuitt lines up, the ball is snapped, and he just starts wrecking things. Right? He is, he is disrupting everything. He's an absolute disruptive force that just wrecks whatever the offense is trying to do. He's really ridiculously hard to stop when he gets going. He is just a monster out there. And there are games he absolutely dominates and takes over because they can't stop him from getting into the backfield and he just gets back there and wrecks everything. Whether he collects stats or not, he's back there causing havoc. One of the negatives to Stefan it is that he isn't as versatile as Cameron Hayward. He's not a guy you're going to ask to you know, do multiple things. He's, he's mostly just line him up and let him go. Let him go. That's the best way to play Stefan Tuitt. And Stefan Tuitt doesn't always stay on the script. He's not the most responsible defensive lineman I would go with. I'd go with that. He's not a guy that you sign because you want a defensive lineman who's going to get to the right spot. You know, make sure the offense doesn't do this thing. Read the play. Do all that stuff. He can do it, but that's not his strength. His strength is let him loose. Let him shove guys around. Let him dominate getting to the backfield, breaking up plays. The number of times run plays get destroyed at the handoff because the running back gets the ball 
And Stefan Tuitt is is messing up the run lanes, right? He's messing up your run lanes two yards in the backfield. That wrecks plays. That creates opportunities for tackles for loss. Whether that's exactly where Stefan Tuitt should be or not, he's causing havoc, and you let the other guys mop it up. You let the other guys make it work. You let him disrupt the offensive play. You let the other guys make the defensive plays to stop their offense, right? You just let him wreck things. But there's a question with Stefan Tuitt, and it's a big one. We're not 100% certain he's coming back. We don't really have good information on where he is with his injuries. We know he hasn't been at, at a lot of the offseason stuff, but yet we've seen pictures. Like There was a, a picture in the locker room where they were interviewing somebody, and you could see in the background Stefan Tuitt's locker had his helmet there, had his stuff, and had personal items in there. And they didn't, they cleaned out those lockers. Those lockers got cleaned out, but there are personal items in Stefan Tuitt's locker. So is he there? Is he just not, is he at the building but not showing up for practices? There's all kinds of speculation and all kinds of room for speculation because we don't have any good information on what's going on. And if he does come back, is he going to be the same player? Is the real problem a knee injury that's, that's lingering? Is, is he going to have the same temperament? Is, we don't know who he's going to be. He's been away from football for a year. We don't know who Stefan Tuitt is going to be, and we don't know for sure that we're going to have Stefan Tuitt. So that's a huge question mark. That's a huge question mark. Next up in this category is Tyson Alualu. When Tyson Alualu, the last couple of years, was playing for us, stout as can be. Just the immovable object. He, he's not Stefan Tuitt where he's crashing through your line and driving people around and creating havoc. Tyson Alualu is like a slow, inevitable doom, right? The, the wall slowly crushing in on your offense, that's Tyson Alualu. You have plenty of time to try and figure out how to avoid the wall crushing in on you, but the wall is still coming, right? Tyson Alualu is the guy that you double-team him, and that double-team is stuck. Nobody's getting off that double-team. Nobody's going on to the to linebackers and covering them. You're just, you're just done. You two are sitting there, and you're done. That's your your job is just keep Tyson Alualu where he is because that's all you're going to be able to accomplish. Tyson Alualu against one on one blockers, even with chip help, even with help, and, and sometimes against double teams, he's just slowly moving them backward into the backfield. He's like, you come with me. We're going to go see your, you're going to say hi to your quarterback, right? We're not going to sack your quarterback. We're probably not getting off this block, but your offensive lineman is just moving in the wrong direction, whether it's a run play, pass play. They're just slowly going where you don't want them to be and where they don't want to be. That's Tyson Alualu, fantastic defensive lineman, especially when paired with guys who are more disruptive, who can get in the backfield, can disrupt plays. And then Tyson Alualu, you know, your ability to escape that is being absolutely destroyed because there's this wall crushing in on you, right? While someone's in there messing up your play, there's a wall crashing in on you. You don't have any player to go. Love the combination of Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, and Tyson Alualu. They have been absolutely dominant together. Fantastic three-man defensive line. But there's big questions about two of them. Tyson Alualu's is he is not young. And he's coming off a big injury. 
obviously, you know, football. He's not football young. Every time I say that, he's not young anymore. I, I, I remember that I am, you know, 10 years older than these guys. And I don't consider myself to be old. But Tyson Alualu in football age is, like, ancient. Right? He's <laughs> he's on his... You're like, he's, he's still playing? Wow! He's, he's old, isn't he? Well, yeah. He is for football. It just... It always stands out to me when I say age. I'm sure many people out there can relate with me. Uh... We don't know how he's going to return from that injury. And we don't know how much his game can take a loss of ability, a, a drop. You know that, oh, you lost a step kind of thing with receivers and cornerbacks. If he loses a bit of his power, right, if he has to favor one knee leg a little bit more than the other, something like that, how good is he going to be? Again, serious questions due to his age and the status that he just had a season-ending injury. Those are those two big question marks. If they're back and they're in 2019, 2020 form, this defensive line is monstrous. It's old, but it's monstrous. And our depth behind it is really good. One of those depth pieces fits into this category of guys that we are kind of hopeful they can show what we expect to get from them is the Steelers' draft pick, DeMarvin Leal. Reports on him are kind of all over the place. Uh, he slimmed down for the combine, apparently put on more weight afterwards. Uh, the Steelers said they didn't ask him to put on weight, and if he thought that they wanted him to, that's just speculation on his part. There's all, all this kind of up in the air, what's going on there, kind of little bit of, you know, nonsense. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's basically nothing that became a small deal because of how things were worded. And then because it's the offseason and the time of offseason it is, and the fact that there's nothing to talk about, that story kind of got traction and got passed around and, and became news because, you don't know. I don't know, maybe DeMarvin Lelal just is more comfortable that way. Maybe he, after the combine, took a break and didn't work out and gained some weight. Who knows? But he is... Uh, I don't think that last part, I don't think he's out of shape. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I believe I believe he actually added, like, good weight on to be to play heavier. But DeMarvin Leal in college was a good penetrator. He's fantastic at the four-eye spot, which is where you line up shaded to the inside uh, of the, the, the tackle, the offensive tackle. You're inside the offensive tackle, and on their inside shoulder, and your job is just to split that tackle guard gap. He is very good there. Kind of Stefan Tuit esque. He's not as big as Stefan Tuit. I don't know if he can be another Stefan Tuit kind of player, but he has that penetration ability down, which is one of Stefan Tuit's best abilities. In college, he didn't do great against double teams. Uh, he's not really a Tyson Alualu kind of player. He's not that guy. He's more a you know, disrupt, get in the backfield and disrupt things. You would hope the ideal situation for DeMarvin Leal is the three guys ahead of him, the three veterans, the three stars of this defensive line, if they're all back, if they're all healthy, he can sit behind them, rotate in in situational plays, get a series here and there, and really, you know, get that introduction to the NFL that way. If not, he's going to be in a position to earn serious snaps. 
and be relied on. And at that point, we just have to hope that he can do it, right? That he will provide a spark of something more than what we had last season when we were barely hanging on as a defensive line. That's going to be the first half of our show today. So we covered uh, Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Tyson Alualu, and DeMarvin Leal. Second half of our show, we're going to look at the guys behind them. Outside of Cameron Hayward, mostly guys that were here last year. So we'll take a little break, and I'll see you in a minute. Back Steeler fans, I'm your host Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you as always by Behind the Steel Curtain and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcast. Make sure you're listening to Behind the Steel Curtain podcasts and going to our website behindthesteelcurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. This off-season we'll be covering everything. We're heading towards mini camps and training camps and everything. Right now obviously we're in kind of the the most uh, the quiet part of the season, one of the quietest parts of the offseason. Not much happening. But we're looking into a lot of different things. We're covering the roster from last year, the new guys added, different possible ways this team could go on offense and defense. Looking at all the stuff. We're digging into everything. This is the time to dig into all the speculation. If that's what you want, man, we're here for you. <laughs> we got you. Uh, and as we head into training camp, we're going to be delivering you the news, the rumors, the stories, everything, all the stuff from Latrobe as, as the Steelers head back to St. Vincent College this year. So make sure you're staying tuned and keeping up to date with everything going on with your Pittsburgh Steelers. First half of the show, we covered Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Tyson Alualu, and DeMarvin Leal. Talking about how basically we have Cameron Hayward that moving this season is our most trustworthy player. I mean, that's... That's always a, a slippery thing to talk about in the NFL. Uh, any player could be hurt at any time. You So with that caveat, you know, Cameron Hayward is who we who we know he is. He has been that guy last year. He's been reliable. To it, Alu-Alu, we don't quite know how they're coming back and, and what they're going to be this year. Uh, DeMarvin Leal, we're hoping for good, but he's a rookie. You, you can't put too much on him. Now we're going to move into the guys who last year were reliable, but not the best. Right? Guys who are there, they're probably going to be, if everyone up above them is healthy, these are your backups. Uh, if not, these are the guys that step in. We're going to start with Chris Wormley. Chris Wormley had his most productive season last year for the Pittsburgh Steelers of any time in his career. but. At the same time, it was while the Steelers' defensive line was struggling quite a bit. So while Wormley set career highs in sacks, his previous high was one and a half sacks. He had seven sacks last season. (laughs) Seven of them. His previous high in solo tackles was 17. He had 29 last season. Quarterback hits. Previous high was six. This last season he had 10. 
Tackles for a loss, he had five in his entire four-year career before last season. He had six last year alone. He had, like, almost everything was career highs for Chris Wormley in 2021 as he was put in to start. But it wasn't all good. As a pass rusher, Wormley is pretty good. As an outside kind of uh, four-eye tech, kind of that kind of outside defensive end, Chris Wormley is pretty solid. Chris Wormley can take advantage of matchups and get into good positions. He's a smart player. He's a, he's a responsible defensive lineman. But what he lacks in is getting push, right? The the more physical strength, brute force kind of side of being a defensive lineman is where Chris Wormley isn't quite as good. There are plenty of examples where he lost on a run play to a single offensive lineman, just got driven out of the play. Double teams frequently took him not only completely out of the play, but often would they would double team him and drive him into the other parts of the defensive line to take out two defensive linemen with three guys. Right? You'd have, especially with Montrevious Adams, Montrevious Adams kind of demanded a double team a decent bit. But if Wormley was next to him, there were several plays where they double-teamed Wormley and drove him into Montrevious Adams. And not only cleared Wormley completely out of the way, they they negated Montrevious Adams, too. Three guys negating half to two-thirds of our defensive line. That's, That's not good. That's not what you need. You need those guys to hold up. The two defensive tackles have to be able to handle three offensive linemen for you to really be a good defense. If those three offensive linemen absolutely dominate your two defensive linemen, two defensive tackles, you're not having a good day. You're not having a good day. Chris Wormley brought that to the Steelers. A lot of the times when you saw other teams running roughshod over the Steelers' defensive line, Chris Wormley was getting driven way out of where he should have been. So Wormley, in my opinion, he still has value on this roster. He's still a good player, but he is not a guy you want starting. He's not a guy you want playing the lion's share of snaps. He had to last year. It wasn't good. But he also did show some strength. He does good getting off blocks. Uh, That's one of his strengths. He does good. uh, there There are times where he will just split two defenders and make a tackle in the backfield on a run play. And you're just like, whoa, look at Chris Wormley there. But it's rarer, and he doesn't hold up when that doesn't work. So Chris Wormley is is reliable. He's solid. You know what you get from him. You know you're going to get smart play. But he's a rotational guy, and he's a guy you want to watch how much you play him. Next on my list, we're down. But that, he, Chris Wormley would be number five in the defensive line. Number six would be Montrevious Adams. I put him there. He came in last year and really stood out for the fact that he didn't get pushed around. Right? He's to me is like the anti-Chris Wormley. He's not as talented. He's not as skilled. He just didn't get pushed around. And that was a big step for this defensive line. It was a big improvement for the Steelers defensive line. Just having someone who was hustling and not getting pushed around. Montrevious Adams, I think, sticks around. Like That trait, if things go bad, already having him on the roster means this roster is better off. If Tuit and Alu-Alu, like if Tuit doesn't come back and Alu-Alu is not at all the same player, the fact that you have Montrevious Adams says you're not going to be as bad as you were on the worst days last year. 
before you brought him on the roster, right? So he kind of he kind of is a little bit of an insurance policy there, and also a good backup defensive tackle, nose tackle, kind of run-stuffing guy. Last in the category of reliable but not great, we have Isaiah Loudermilk. Now, I debated whether Loudermilk should be in the in the previous group with players that we really hope we have something special there, but you know, we may we don't we can't be certain it will be. I chose to put Isaiah Loudermilk in this one because he is reliable. He is a reliable player, and we know kind of a floor of what we're going to get from him. Could he improve on that? Absolutely. But we know he's a big, strong defensive lineman who can, for the most part, hold his own against the run. He offered absolutely nothing against the pass. In pass rush, like, it didn't matter. He Tyson Alualu is, is, is disrupting the middle of the pocket, right, and slowly pushing guys back. Isaiah Loudermilk is, is playing, like, he can walk somebody back a bit, but but he's not actually getting them into the pocket. He's not disrupting the pocket and driving them back towards their quarterback as much as he just isn't losing ground and maybe gaining a bit of ground, but not making a difference, right? He he was almost completely a waste on passing downs. Uh, I, I, seriously, if you could combine Chris Wormley and Isaiah Loudermilk and, to, and take their strengths and put them in one player, that player would be phenomenal. Uh, but Isaiah Loudermilk's a fantastic run defender. He gives you a bit of an anchor there. He, he's going to help you say, hey, okay, you're not just going to run all over us, right? He can help you there. Last year he was a rookie. They had to limit his snaps. He wore down over the season and wasn't quite as good at the end of the year. And it was clear they were trying to not overuse him. Coming into this season, hopefully his conditioning is NFL level. That's a big change from college to the NFL is conditioning. And hopefully he gets that up there. And also hopefully he develops. You know, I could see him being a Tyson Alualu type of player. It's just, I'm here in the middle of your defense, and you're not doing what you want to do. And I'm going to just push people slowly where they don't want to be. If he could become a Tyson Alualu, that would be huge for this defense. Absolutely huge. And that is well within his range. It's just how quickly can he get there? Is that, you know, is his ceiling allow him to be as good as Tyson Alualu has the last couple of years? And how long will it take for him to get there if he does allow it? That's Isaiah Loudermilk. But again, these three are the guys and it's reliable but not great category where if Stefan Tuitt doesn't come back or isn't himself, Tyson Alualu can't hold up. Or one of these guys, you know, is out or injured. These are the guys that step in. Your Chris Wormley, your Montrevious Adams, your Isaiah Loudermilk. And we can live with them. We can survive with them in limited doses. If our defensive line is Chris Wormley, Montrevious Adams, and Isaiah Loudermilk, that's our starting defensive line, the Steelers are in big trouble. Right? The Steelers are in big trouble. But if those guys are rotating in, if those guys are backing up, if those guys are filling in for a game or two, you're fine. You're doing okay. And again, Isaiah Loudermilk has upside. There's still some ups, there's a lot of upside there, and we'll see what he can do, how much he can grow. That is seven defensive linemen. We've been through seven defensive linemen so far, and the seventh was Isaiah Loudermilk, right? This is why I say the Steelers' defensive line on paper is both really good 
and really deep. If Isaiah Loudermilk is your fourth backup, if Montrevious Adams is your fourth backup, if Chris Wormley is your fourth backup, you have a really good defensive line. A really deep, really good defensive line. If any one of those last three that we've talked about this second half are starters, you're still going to have a good defensive line. You know, if those three are having to rotate in to fill in for one of the three you know, studs on this line and start, you're still good. You're still a good defensive line. And that's the bottom of your depth chart. The Steelers normally take six defensive linemen. If everyone's healthy and everyone's playing well, this team is going to have to cut a good defensive lineman. Or try to stash one of them on the practice squad, which probably won't work. But you can see, at this point, why I say the Steelers line is, on paper, very talented and very deep. Now we get to the depth that played a lot last year. Where we go if multiple players above them are out. Like, say, it doesn't come back, and then one of the other guys gets hurt. We're down to the reserves, the depth. Bottom of the depth chart, guys. We start with Henry Mondo. Henry Mondo has stuck around. He's undersized. He doesn't have long arms. The Steelers love big, strong, long-armed guys on their defensive line. That's what they want. Henry Mondo is not that. But in 2019, on a, on a, I think he was an uh, undrafted free agent, he stood out, hung around, stuck on the practice squad. 2020, still around, still there, gets snaps, makes plays, actually plays pretty good. 2021, everyone was predicting the offseason he was going to be gone. He was the obvious guy to cut. I kept saying, look at the preseason games. They're playing him ahead of these other guys. The Steelers end up cutting him. He is not on the roster. He's not on the practice squad. But injuries occur, and he's back, and he played. And of the backups, he was one of the more reliable ones. He is reliable. He's not what the Steelers want. One thing that has always stood out for me with Henry Mondo is there are just some dang good plays he makes. He is a scrappy player. There's some dang good plays he makes. I talked about how Stefan Tuitt frequently goes off script. One of the things that stood out to me in T.J. Watt's 2020 campaign, when Tefan Tuitt and Henry Mondo were both playing, is the number of sacks that occurred when Henry Mondo was in for Stefan Tuitt. The number of sacks T.J. Watt got with Henry Mondo on the field versus Stefan Tuitt when you compare the number of snaps and opportunities Right When you're looking at those numbers, when you're looking at opportunities and the, and the number of sacks that he got, T.J. Watt was a more efficient pass rusher with, Mon with Henry Mondeau than he was with Stefan Tua. And part of it was Henry Mondeau didn't get in T.J. Watt's way. Right, It was clear, like, in a, a passing play, Stefan Tua is rushing upfield. He's crashing upfield, crashing into the pocket, doing his thing. And T.J. Watt would frequently have to make his pass rush around Stefan Tuitt. Henry Mondo would come in, and they would run stunts. Mondo was fantastic on stunts. That's one of his big strengths is on stunts. He is just really good at setting the stunt for TJ Watt, at, at being the guy who loops around outside. He was good on stunts. That's, what he's, that's one of his biggest strengths. 
new defensive coordinator, well, not defensive coordinator, new defensive assistant who's coaching the inside linebackers and is probably coaching the defensive line, the front seven kind of deal. Brian Flores runs more stunts than Keith Butler. Keith Butler ran a ton of stunts. Brian Flores runs even more. So there's a chance inside of that change. The Henry Mondo could be more valuable this season than he was last season, or the addition of DeMarvin Leal, Montrevious Adams, the return of Stefan Tua Tyson Alu Alu, make him completely expendable. I don't, it, it, he's a bottom of the roster guy. Who knows what's going to happen with him? But that's where his strengths are. The next one I have on that list is Carlos Davis. Carlos Davis is a nose tackle. And when they when they drafted him, I did a I did a film room for behind the steel curtain on him, and I I'm looking at this and I'm like, what were they thinking, right? Then my thought in my head is is what were they thinking when they drafted this guy? Why why would you pick him? I mean, of course he's a seventh round pick. There's not huge expectations on a seventh round pick, but his film was terrible. It's you know, I, I'd just done the Kevin Dotson film room, and he's pushing around guys from Alabama, number first-round pick defensive lineman, and just he's wrecking people. And I'm like, yeah. And then I go watch Carlos Davis, and it's this guy who is fast and plays really high and gets pushed around all the time. And I'm just like, why would you draft this guy? The next year in 2021, they drafted Isaiah Loudermilk. That time, KT Smith did the film room, and he's seeing the same things I'm seeing. And, and he talked to me about it. We were talking about it in the Slack channel, and I was like, well, he looks to me like Carlos Davis. Like, he's a better version of Carlos Davis, who similarly got pushed around, came into the Steelers. They fixed his leverage. They fixed how he came out of his stance. They helped him improve, and all of a sudden, he looked pretty good. Right? Carlos Davis, even his rookie season when he came in, he looked good. In 2020, he looked like the Steelers found something. Didn't get to play much in 2021, but he's also a nose tackle. He is a solidly built nose tackle that can anchor in the middle, and he brings speed. This is interesting because in the Brian Flores defense, Brian Flores loves to stunt his his one his zero tech his nose tackle whoever's standing right across from the center he loves to stunt them outside loves to do it sets up a lot of things on that on on the threat of stunning that player on passing downs he'll frequently put uh, an inside linebacker lined up in that nose spot right across from the center and and, and rush him well the Steelers with Carlos Davis guys like Henry Mondo Carlos Davis uh, Demarvin Leal did this and did it in college. You've got some actual defensive linemen that can line up over the nose tackle, and they've got speed to cause trouble on those stunts. So you're saying th these guys could be in play to be you know, tough to deal with nose tackle options out of a 3-4 look and be a pass rusher. Carlos Davis is one of those guys. We'll see what his upside is. He was hurt last season. Uh, hopefully he can return to his form from 2020. And be a solid player and, and make it take a shot at making this roster. Obviously, the hope for all of us is that all of this works out. The Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, and Tyson Alualu are playing like it's 2019 and they're just dominant. DeMarvin Leal is that rookie that they're sitting there saying, okay, we've got to find snaps for this guy on the field because he's he's making plays and he's disruptive and he's showing talent. 
Chris Wormley is as solid as he's ever been. Montrevious Adams is the guy we hope he is, and he's a solid, he's a new, really solid backup nose tackle and interior defensive lineman. Isaiah Loudermilk is developing into the next Tyson Alualu. And guys like Henry Mondeau and Carlos Davis are making it a pain in the butt to cut them. And we're all sitting, hopefully next year, we're all sitting there saying the Steelers' defensive line is 9, 10 players deep. And how are we, what are we going to do? We're going to cut people and they're going to get put on other people's rosters. Sure, that'd be fantastic. Probably not going to happen. What the Steelers have is 9 or 10 players that they need to get 6 good ones out of. And primarily 3 starters. Obviously, Tuit and Aluwalu come back and are healthy. I've said this the whole broadcast. This is the story. This is the question mark. This is the million-dollar question. And there's two of them. So maybe two $500,000 questions. Stefan Tuit going to be Stefan Tuit? Is Tyson Aluwalu going to be Tyson Aluwalu? If one of those two is back, then you're shifting your look down and saying, Isaiah Loudermilk, how much can you grow? DeMarvin Leal, how good can you be in your rookie season? Chris Wormley and Montrevious Adams, we need you to keep being solid rotation guys, you know, and playing serious snaps and even starting at times. Can Henry Mondo and Carlos Davis, can one of those step up and be a player in, Matt, in Brian Flores' system that can get some snaps and add some pass rush? You're, all these questions start to be interesting. If the minute any of these players, any one or two of these players, don't hit that, you know, where we hope they are. It's going to be an interesting offseason. Defensive line, again, key position, and it's going to be interesting to see how it shorts out. I didn't even cover some of the long shots to make the roster. Khalil Davis, Daniel Archibong, Trevon Mason, Donovan Jeter. If they want to be talked about on the show, they're going to have their chance. They're going to be in camp. Uh, any of the any guys they've signed or if this defensive line has changed since I recorded this and you're listening to it, who knows? Any of those guys have a chance to impress. They'll have that shot. And if they do, we'll talk about them here. So stay tuned. Keep listening to Behind the Steel Curtain. As always, have a great week. And let's go Steelers. Steelers.